0: Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be reading to you a chapter from my novel, Not on My Watch, which is the third book in the Devlin O'Quinn Mystery series. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next chapter, Not on My Watch, as well as the other three books in the series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. If you are interested in ordering any of my books, please visit my website, jcbodden.com. You will find the link in the podcast info. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 306, Not on My Watch, Chapter 6. We've got our case, Chief, Roger said triumphantly as he slapped the folder on Devlin's desk Thursday morning. Fingerprint matches from the house and the car seat. Security camera photo of him coming out of Shop and Save with the car seat. Not just one, but two different neighbors who will testify that he told them you had hired him to do some painting at your house, plus the neighbor who actually let him into your house. By the way, you need to talk to these folks. Security in your neighborhood sucks. That doesn't really look good for the chief of police. Anyway, I've lined up a handwriting expert to back us up, but based on a confession he wrote about a robbery three years ago... Our guys say it's about an 85% chance that he wrote the note that was pinned on Connor's shirt. I've sent two uniforms out to look for him. Bobby Earl Davenport is our guy. Devlin picked up the file and shuffled through the contents. It had been four days of intense detective work. Devlin had overseen every step of the way. It was all there, just as Roger said. Still, something about it nagged at him. Something was off. He just couldn't put his finger on it. Roger sat down. Devlin pulled the note out of the file. I changed my mind. I don't want trouble. Sorry. Mike Tigan, special agent from the FBI, sat in the other chair across from Devlin. He glanced at Roger. He doesn't look happy, Detective. Roger scratched his head. What's wrong, Dev? We've solved the case. In record time, I might add. Why are you frowning? I don't know, Roger. Something doesn't add up, you know. First of all, it was way too easy. Why would the guy go to so much trouble to find out all about me and my family and then leave a trail even a blond man could follow? I thought he was smarter than that. Davenport may have been the guy that snatched Connor, but something tells me that he's not uh, the guy. His famous gut again, Tigan said. Devlin looked at him sharply, wondering if Roger had caught the heavy sarcasm. Roger stood and paced the small room. Aw, oh, hell, Dev, now you're just being paranoid. Guys like Davenport, they don't think like the rest of us. Maybe he thinks he's invisible or some shit like that. Look at the guy's picture. Roger leaned across the desk and pulled a mugshot from the folder. Davenport was in his thirties, balding, and mildly cross-eyed. Roger held the photo in front of Devlin first and then Tigan as he read off the offenses on the arrest record. Unlawful entry, vagrancy, shoplifting, another unlawful entry, public intoxication, public urination, robbery. Roger, that's all petty stuff. Even the robbery. He stole some bread off a delivery truck. It's the kind of rap sheet most homeless people have. There's nothing on there that would make you think he's some kind of master criminal. Devlin ran his fingers through his hair. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he was involved. I'm just not sure he was working alone. Roger shoved his hands in his pockets. Conspiracy theory, huh? I like it, chief. I like it. He smiled and gathered up the file. I'll call you when I get him down in interrogation, Dev. We'll see if those famous hunches of yours work when your grandkids are involved. You do that, Roger. Thanks. Tigan stayed where he was after Roger left, and the two men watched each other across the desk. After a few minutes of silence, Tygen spoke. You're taking this way too personally, O'Quinn. Devlin leaned back in his chair. It is personal. It's my grandson. My family. Tygen narrowed his eyes. You should listen to Dubose. Devlin shrugged. I am. No, you're not. "'You're listening to your gut. Again.' "'Tigan stood, then was nearly overcome with a coughing fit. "'You okay?' Devlin asked once the other man had finished. "'Yeah, just peachy. Thanks.' "'Tigan stepped to the door, then turned back to Devlin. "'You should put this to bed, O'Quinn. "'Dubose is right. Davenport is the guy. "'Quit dreaming up conspiracies and accomplices. "'When you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is the best.' Devlin sat at his desk for a few more minutes, contemplating Bobby Earl Davenport. Maybe Roger and Tygenor were right. Maybe he was letting his emotions cloud his judgment. Before he really thought too much about what his hands were doing, he dialed the now-familiar number in Montgomery. Elliot Kingfisher's office. Yes, hello, this is Devlin O'Quinn. Is this Lynn? Yes, Chief O'Quinn. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Is Elliot available? Just one moment, please. Devlin sat and fidgeted with his pen as he waited. Once again, he was glad that no sappy music was playing while he was on hold. There was a double click, and then he heard Lynn's voice again. I'm sorry, Chief O'Quinn, but Elliot can't come to the phone right now. May I take a message? Devlin was disappointed, but he tried not to let it show too much in his voice. Well, you could tell her I called again. Yes, Chief, of course. And Lynn? Yes? You could also tell her that we've nailed the guy that kidnapped Connor. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that, sir. Devlin hesitated and then said, Well, I'll let you go. I'll see you soon, I hope. Yes, sir, Chief O'Quinn. I'll give Elliot your message. Goodbye. He looked at the phone for a long time after he hung up. Then he shook his head and tried to focus on the work at his desk. He trusted his hunches about criminals a lot more than his hunches about women. Elliot, you're an idiot, Lynn said, after she hung up the phone. That was so much like high school, me talking to him while you listened in on the other line. I'm not doing that the next time. He calls you, you talk, I swear. She stood in her sister's office doorway with her arms crossed. Elliot moaned and put her head down on her desk. I know, I know, that was genuinely lame, really. I don't know what's wrong with me. Lynn came to the desk and stroked her sister's hair. He wanted to talk to you, Ellie. He was disappointed again. Couldn't you tell? Elliot sat up. And I wanted to talk to him, too, Lynn. I swear I did, just like every other night this week. He calls the house, and I just let the answering machine pick up. He's been calling you at home, and you don't talk to him? Yeah, Elliot looked at Lynn and frowned. Pretty stupid, right? Lynn laughed sarcastically. The guy calls you. The guy that you called amazing. The one that you said you were in love with. He's in the middle of trying to solve a kidnapping case involving his grandson, and you won't pick up the phone? After you talk to him every night last week for hours on end? He calls here? He calls your house? And you won't talk to him? Yeah, you could say it's stupid. I'd probably call it completely asinine, but hey, that's just me. Tell me this. What do his messages say? Elliot fidgeted with the pins on her desk. Oh, you know, the usual, that he enjoys being with me, that he's sorry about the way Saturday evening turned out, that he really wants to talk to me, that he can't wait to see me again. Stuff like that. It's sweet, really. She looked up at Lynn, her eyes full of tears. Lynn stood back and studied her sister, her arms crossed again. She knew she could play this in one of two ways. Sympathy would probably cause crying and drama. Basically a huge mess. She made the other play. Shit, Elliot, you make me sick. If you're so scared of the guy, of your feelings for him, of getting hurt by him, or whatever the hell you're so afraid of... Then tell him to fuck off and leave you alone. But for God's sakes, get your head out of your ass and make a decision. Tell him why or don't tell him. But just do it already. After all, the poor guy's old enough to be your father. Don't toy with him. It's time to fish or cut bait. She turned on her heel and stalked out of the room. The wall behind her desk reverberated with a stapler Elliot threw against it. Lynn smiled to herself as she gathered her belongings for her afternoon class. My work here is done. Devlin's personal cell rang as he was on his way to work the next morning. It was Roger. Yeah, Rog, what is it? Chief, we've got a problem. Yeah, Raj, what is it? Davenport's dead. Come again? Dead. Two patrolmen found him this morning. He was on a bench down at the city park. Looks like he's been shot. Aw, oh, hell. By Friday afternoon, the media was all over the story, almost before an investigation had even begun. After all, it was enough that the grandson of the chief of police had been kidnapped, but now the suspected kidnapper died mysteriously. To say that it was a sensational case would have been an understatement. Devlin looked out his office window and counted the number of satellite trucks parked in the street outside the station. Five so far, and at least one more had called and gotten permission. He was standing there, contemplating this ugly turn of events, when Roger knocked on his door. "'Hey, man, come on in. What's the word?' The medical examiner has released a preliminary cause of death, gunshot. Yeah, I think we knew that already. Well, it gets worse, Dev. How could it be worse, unless you tell me that a cop shot him? Dev, you might want to sit down for this. Roger rubbed his hand across the back of his neck. Devlin looked sharply at his friend. He could tell there was something serious on the other man's mind. Roger, just spit it out, man. The crime lab recovered a slug from the body. It's from a police service weapon. Well, that just beats all. Get everyone's statement, both those that were on duty as well as everyone that's off duty. Dev, they think it's from your service weapon. Devlin looked at Roger, his eyebrows raised. He chuckled slightly. That's not funny, Rog. Roger looked down at his shoes, and Devlin realized that he was serious. Hell, Roger, here's my gun right here. He pulled the weapon out of its holster and laid it on his desk. It hasn't been fired since I shot that damn dog. You can take it down to the crime lab yourself. Roger stood in silence with his head down, his hands in his pockets. He made no move to pick up the gun. He couldn't even look at Devlin. Devlin stood there staring at him for several moments, then he exploded. Roger, you can't think I did this. Take the gun, take it. The sooner we clear up this mistake, the better. Roger still made no move. He finally looked up from his shoes. Devlin, I've known you for thirty years. "'We were partners for 25. "'I'll be damned if I touch that gun "'unless you tell me right now "'to go and throw it in the river.' "'Devlin, the fury written all over his face, "'pushed everything on his desk, "'lamp, nameplate, phone, computer keyboard, "'files, pens, papers, and the gun, "'into a heap on the floor. "'Damn it, Roger, I didn't do this! "'I didn't have anything to do with this!' "'Teresa cracked open the office door "'and poked her head in. "'Is everything all right in here, boss?' "'Hell no, everything is not all right, Teresa!' Devlin stormed around his office, pacing furiously back and forth. He stopped and glared at Roger before barking at Teresa. Get a rookie. That Justin Sullivan kid up here. He needs to take my gun, if they're on the floor, to the crime lab. Make sure he follows evidence collection procedure to the letter. And get my lawyer, Elliot Kingfisher, on the phone. Don't take any excuses from her. I need to talk to her. Now. Roger stood for a moment longer, looking at Devlin, his hands still in his pockets. When Teresa had scurried back to her desk, he spoke quietly. "'Devlin, if you tell me that you didn't do this, then that's all I need. I'm sorry I doubted you. Tell me what I can do to fix this, and I'll do it.' Devlin paced back and forth several more times, rubbing the back of his neck. He finally stopped and looked at Roger. "'That's just it, Roger. If the bullet that killed Davenport came from my gun, then I don't know how this can be fixed.' Teresa buzzed Devlin's office. "'Miss Kingfisher is on line one, boss.' "'Thank you, Teresa.' Devlin took a deep breath before he picked up the phone. "'Hello, Elliot.' There was the slightest of pauses on the other end. "'Hello, Devlin.' "'So, you'll finally talk to me?' He couldn't quite keep the anger out of his tone. "'I've been very busy, Devlin,' she replied, this time after a slightly longer pause. "'Your secretary was very insistent. How are you? Is everything all right?' she asked, her voice was barely above a whisper. "'No, everything's lousy.' The anger was even more obvious now. "'I'm sorry.' It sounded like she was crying. It occurred to Devlin that perhaps he was being manipulated, and that made him even angrier. "'Listen, Elliot, this is a professional call, not a social one. I need an attorney. Now, today. Are you available?' He could hear her draw in her breath sharply. When she next spoke, her voice sounded much steadier. "'Yes, Devlin. What's wrong?' "'Remember in your office?' The day I met you, when I told you that the shit was about to hit the fan? Yes. Well, it's hit. That concludes this week's chapter of Not On My Watch. Thanks for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 307 of Wait A Week Mystery, or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.